Well, good morning, Hills Church. It is so good to be here with you this morning. And thank you, Pastor Jordan, for the opportunity to come and share with you. And so my name's Mike Burrows. I'm on team at Open Doors. And Open Doors helps people all over the world follow Jesus no matter the cost. So in the toughest places on earth for the gospel, we're there uh, standing with, supporting, strengthening believers under persecution uh, in countries where to do big church is simply not an option. And so for the last 65 years, we have been supporting house churches, uh, the underground church, and uh, really believers who, who just meet in small gatherings. So uh, I feel like it's appropriate this morning for, for me to be here with you uh, in, in a similar kind of context, I guess. Here we are uh, in our own homes, streaming, online, and uh, doing small church together, but unified under the umbrella of the body of Christ. And so what I wanted to, to do this morning is uh, share with you uh, something that the Lord really put on my heart last night. I want to do that for, for a start, at least. I'll be here with you for about uh, 30 minutes and, uh, and just share what I feel like the Lord is saying to us in this current season of time. And so the Lord uh, gave me um, a series of passages in response to our level four lockdown period. And I really feel like uh, the Lord has for us a current word for this season, uh, because we really need to be clear about what it is that the Lord is doing and make the most of the season that we find ourselves in. So the first portion of scripture I want to share with you this morning to start us off is Psalm chapter 98 and verses 1 to 2. And it begins by saying this, Sing to the Lord a new song. And you know what? It is a, a new season across our globe. And so there needs to be a new song uh, that rises up within us as a response to this new season. Uh, I feel like that we, we need to be uh, on the front foot and making the most of the opportunities that the Lord is presenting to us. And uh, I believe that, that God is always moving, um, that there is a word from the Lord for every season of our lives. And that includes us um, uh, individually and also corporately. There is something that God is doing, something that, that he is saying uh, in every single season. And I believe that he wants us to have clear vision. Uh, this year is uh, 2020. And I believe, you know, the Lord spoke to me at the start of this year and he said, uh, you know, this is the year of 2020 vision where he's going to show us his people in an even more clear way uh, what it is that he is doing. So, so we need to have our, our eyes open uh, and we need to respond to this season and not just simply write it out. And so I want to tell you what I believe is the new song that, that we need to sing in the season. and um, but, but first, I'll do that by answering that through uh, four separate passages. Um, but I, I just want to continue reading um, the, the remainder of, of this passage right now. So it begins by saying, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness 
to the nations. And that really gets me excited because he is going to reveal his righteousness to the nations. I believe he's, um, there is a process of doing that right now. I mean, the Lord certainly did not initiate what's going on, but he can use every season for his glory and to advance a church. And so, you know, I believe that people are going to say as a result of this time, the Lord has done marvelous things. Um, and he has made his salvation known across the nations. And I believe that the world will actually say of the church um, that, that what we do during this time, uh, that, well, that was extraordinary, uh, you know, how the church has pulled through this and how the church has actually grown. So back to the, to the start of the scripture, sing to the Lord a new song. So what is this new song? And to answer that, I've got four passages that I, I want to share with you. And the, the first one is this, uh, Hebrews 10, 25. And for me, this is the, the overarching theme passage for the season of time that we find ourselves in. Hebrews 10, 25 says this, Do not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So that's my, my first portion of scripture. I'm going to read uh, my next couple. Uh, John 13, 34 to 35 says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. My next verse, Matthew 24 12 to 13, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And, and it really feels quite clear and quite simple to me that during this time, there'll be a, a tendency for, for many to, to kind of uh, bunker down, you know, ride it out, you know, get into a place of, of self-preservation and isolation. Uh, but I believe for, for us as believers that it's actually a time to, to do the opposite, to, to rise up and lift our connection with each other uh, through social media, through phone calls, um, not neglecting the meeting together, uh, even if it is uh, remotely and online, um, because we need to build, we need to build a strong net. And I believe that uh, the church will actually grow through this time and especially as a result of this time. And so people are going to come in and I do believe that we need to build a strong net for that. Uh, my fourth uh, passage of scripture is John 21, 10 to 12. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Not, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. And, and so it says, with, with so many fish, the net was not torn. God made that net strong. And honestly, I, I believe that we're going to thank and praise him. We're going to know that it is the Lord uh, amongst us in this time. And we need to build that net strong. And that net is the net of relationship with each other, connecting together and building the church strong together so that others can come in 
and be a part of this family. And it actually reminds me of a, of a prophecy that uh, I gave to, to some pastors at the start of this year. And um, I, I just felt like the Lord uh, wanted me to, to just share that with you this morning. Um, just a prophecy that I, I gave to some pastors in January. And I said to them, uh, I really feel like the, the Lord is going to decentralize church and that you will be a pastor of life groups, uh, small groups, uh, little groups in the community, and and not so much uh, doing church as you have traditionally done it. And so I, I said that to them in January, and, and they were like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. Um, it's the, the sort of prophecy where you, you take it more as, as a confirmation. You know, um, you know, if it happens, well, it's like, oh, I got a prophecy about that. And so um, I actually got a text uh, from one of them last week saying, reminding me of that, that prophecy I gave them and saying, well, this is exactly what we're doing at the moment. We are, um, you know, meeting together in small groups. And, um, and the thing is, actually, each one of us are called to be pastors, to, to be priests, to be leaders in our community. Uh, it is an unsettled time and, and people are looking really for, for hope. And there really is only one eternal hope, and that is in Jesus Christ. You know, he said he would build his church and he'll, he'll build his church on the rock, the, the rock of Jesus Christ that would not be shaken. And, you know, even though we can't meet together as large gatherings, I tell you what, this is still a firm and secure rock uh, in each one of our homes. And so, you know, the Lord is continuing to, to push forward. And I want to tell you that whenever pressure has come on the church, it's always grown. And at Open Doors, we've seen that we deal with the persecuted church. So, so when there is persecution, uh, we have found that the church continues to grow. In fact, uh, a Chinese believer, a Chinese pastor said that uh, in China, there's actually an optimum level of persecution uh, for church growth. Uh, too much persecution, too many people die, are killed. Uh, but too little persecution, uh, we can become complacent and the, the church doesn't grow as much. And so there's certainly a, a place um, for, for pressure in our lives. So um, I, I really wanted to share that with you this morning um, because th this is what we're passionate about at Open Doors, uh, helping people all over the world follow Jesus no matter the cost, and that includes here in New Zealand and also in the world of the, the persecuted church as well. And, and in that world, in, in the world of the persecuted church, we, we just simply say to believers, uh, what is it you need? How can we help you? And they'll say, well, we need Bibles. Can you get us Bibles? And, and we've been smuggling Bibles into countries uh, for over 65 years. Um, the first Bibles were smuggled in uh, by Brother Andrew, who began this ministry into Poland behind the Iron Curtain. Uh, he wrote a book called God's Smuggler, and he would countless uh, time and time again uh, just go through border check posts with boxes of Bibles. And he would begin by having boxes of Bibles, well, well Bibles in the lining of his car, trying to hide it, uh, hide the Bibles through these border check posts. Um, but he got to the point where he had been through so many check posts uh, that he would just have a box of Bibles next to him on the passenger seat because he knew that the armed guards would search the car anyway. And he would simply pray the smuggler's prayer. And he would pray, Lord Jesus, when you are on earth, you opened the eyes of the blind. 
So I pray now that you would make seeing eyes blind to the Bibles that I'm carrying. And then, you know, time and time again, he would carry those Bibles through border check posts. And today we continue to get Bibles into the hands of believers. We, uh, we do discipleship and leadership training uh, because some of the pastoral issues are, well, my family's trying to kill me because I'm a Christian. What do I do? Um, we help orphans and widows, families of martyrs, and, and we simply help the church be the church in the toughest places on earth for the gospel. So what we do every year is we produce what we call the World Watch List uh, or the World Watch Map. And it's the, the top 50 countries where persecution is the most severe around the world. And uh, today, the, the toughest place in the world you can be if you are a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is North Korea. So that's number one on our World Watch list. We, we uh, know that there are 50 to 70,000 believers in labor camps in North Korea at the moment. And a, a labor camp like that is, is in no way a, a place where, where you would want to be. And so we, we support with, stand with, pray for believers uh, in those camps Number two is Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, and the, the list goes on from there. Uh, you can check out uh, the World Watch map on our website, uh, opendoors.org.nz, and go onto the World Watch list, and, and you can see all the countries in order. You can click on a country, it comes out with more information about that country. Um, but just a, a couple of points about the World Watch list, and that is, Six years ago, there was only one country that scored above 80 persecution points. And so we um, score a country out of 100 persecution points, and that was North Korea. Now this year, six years later, on the same scale, our top 11 countries score above 80 persecution points. So what we're saying is that persecution has been increasing on the earth just in the last five, six years. Even in the last two years and one year, there's been a real shift uh, across the world. Persecution has been intensifying and it's also been spreading to new areas. But I want to tell you this, that more people are coming to Christ today than ever before. And I want to tell you that persecution has never stopped the church. Uh, in fact, you know, right at the beginning, Cain and Abel, you know, Abel was killed because he offered God a better sacrifice than what Cain did. And then you have persecution through the, the prophets, um, through uh, Jesus, you know, being killed on the cross and uh, through the early church. Uh, there's always been uh, persecution, but it is intensifying. But people are coming to Christ, which is amazing. So the, the fastest growing persecuted church in the world at the moment is in China. Uh, that church is growing by 8% a year at the moment. And uh, in the 80s, um, uh, uh, 15 million Chinese became Christians. And so, man, God is doing a massive work uh, in that country. Uh, the fastest growing Muslim background believer church in the world at the moment is in Iran, uh, which is number nine on the world watch list. So a really tough place to be if you're a Christian. But right in the enemy's camp, uh, people are, are coming to Christ. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing um, because really the world watch list, it doesn't just show us where persecution is the most severe. 
it also shows us where God is working. Because if there wasn't believers reaching out in love, um, sharing the, being the light and, and truth of Jesus to their communities, well then there, there wouldn't be persecution. You know, it, it's only when uh, believers are reaching out in love that, that persecution really intensifies. So that's a, a bit of a, uh, an overview um, of Open Doors, what we um, are doing at the moment. But what I wanted to do for the remainder of my time is to share with you two lessons that we can learn from the persecuted church. And uh, then after that, uh, we can pray together um, for ourselves, for our nation, and then for the, the world around us and believers in those situations. So this year, one of the things that I really wanted to do is to, to share uh, lessons from the persecuted church, where I go and, and speak in churches in different places, because I really believe that the persecuted church can be some of the greatest mentors for our faith, because they endure so much. I mean, many endure hardship in prison, uh, all sorts of harassment and, and abuse, and yet through all of that, their faith remains intact and even becomes stronger when they get out the end. Uh, in fact, an Iraqi believer uh, said this, he said, before persecution came, I was a, a believer just by name. But now that persecution has come, uh, my faith has become alive and I uh, am now living for Jesus in a way that I never have before. And so there's certainly a, a place for persecution. And so uh, I believe that, um, that these mentors of ours uh, can really share something significant in our lives. So uh, I've got two lessons uh, from the persecuted church this morning. And my first lesson is this that we have to learn to look to Jesus. Now, this is a, a phrase that, uh, that we might even say in our church context, oh, you know, just, just look to Jesus. Um, but I want to share this, uh, this lesson and illustrate it through a story from the persecuted church. So there was a, a, a young Chinese girl, and she was a part of the underground church in China, and she was caught and imprisoned by the secret police. And during the time she was imprisoned, she was uh, abused, uh, tortured, beaten, harassed, um, simply because she was a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and they were trying to do two things. One, they were trying to get her to renounce her faith in Jesus Christ. And two, they were trying to get her to reveal some of the secrets of the underground church. Uh, who was a part of the church, who were the leaders, where did people meet. And you know what, through that whole time, she never revealed any of the names. She stayed strong, she remained firm, and she actually got out the other side and got eventually got released from prison, uh, having made it through and her faith uh, stayed strong to the end. So sometime after that, um, some believers in Christ just came around her and, and one of the questions they asked her was, how did you manage to stay strong that whole time? And I'll tell you her answer it was actually a very practical answer. But, um, but let us uh, ask that question for ourselves this morning. How would our faith hold up in that kind of situation? 
I, I don't think it's really a, a question that we can answer. How would we go in that situation? But what I do think is that it is a really good opportunity for us right now to at least process the question. Would I be able to endure all that for Jesus? Would, would I give my life for him in that kind of way? And it's a question that much of the, the persecuted church are processing on a daily basis. And, and we don't really uh, ourselves need to, to process that kind of question that much in our church context. But uh, I really feel like as a part of our discipleship journey, that it's a really good question that we can ask. And so her answer was this. She said, it was not hard. She said that, that my pastor told me that for every one minute of, of real torture, there was about 10 minutes of looking into their enraged faces, uh, looking at the implements of pain. So I just closed my eyes the whole time. I didn't see the stick before it hit me or afterwards. And so my, my suffering was much reduced. But then she said... Um, after a while, the guards and the soldiers got to understand my defense. So they, they taped my eyes open. But by that stage, they were too late. I had seen Jesus so many times before. I just looked at him. I mean, what an amazing thing for that girl to say. She got to the point where Jesus had been with her each and every time. She had seen Jesus in amongst the, the beatings and, and the whippings and, and the, the torture. And she got to the point where it actually no longer mattered whether her eyes were open or closed. She said, by that stage, I'd seen Jesus so many times before and I just looked at him. And, and I think of a, of a couple of verses, um, Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And, you know, I think of this, this Chinese young girl, you know, the, the pure in heart, and she saw God. I think of the verse in Hebrews 12, 2 to 3, and it says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I think that that is just such a, a great verse, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I mean, God told Abraham, look up at the stars and, and count them if you can. You know, get your eyes off yourself and, and look up to, to me and my promises. Um, Elisha prayed that the, the servant would see the, the, the chariots of fire all around them and, and the soldiers and the armies of God, you know, on the hills. Uh, even Jesus said, look out for the, the fields are ripe for harvest. And the, the idea of, of taking our vision off ourselves and looking to Jesus. And so the lesson is, we've got to learn to look to Jesus. But, but how? I mean, how do we do that? And truly there is a, a kind of a, a faith forged in persecution that, that cannot be formed any other way. 
Um, but for us, there is still a way that we are able to learn to look to Jesus in the midst of everything that we're going through. And um, I believe that uh, a part of the answer uh, could be in a, in a quote uh, that I uh, heard from the underground church. And, and they said this, an Iranian believer, they said, a convert won't die for Jesus, but a disciple will die for Jesus. And I mean, that, that's powerful from this Iranian believer. Um, that This for, for her was from experience. She'd seen it, you know, she, she'd seen whether the person was considered a convert or a disciple. And so for us, it's really what would a disciple do? We, we just need to be doing what a disciple would do. And, uh, and for me, um, the one practical thing that I can think of that a disciple would do is simply read the word of God. And so we, we need to be reading the Bible. And Open Doors has always been about getting Bibles into the hands of believers. And uh, for about three or four months now, I've been uh, reading through the Bible in a year. And it's uh, sort of three and a half chapters a, a day. Uh, but I think even better than that, um, why not read a, uh, read a portion of Scripture and then take a verse and hold on to that verse uh, and sit on it for maybe a, a week or, or maybe a month um, and, and just get the, the, the revelation of that verse deep in your heart. Uh, sometimes we can rush through what we're doing. Uh, the, the persecuted church would say this, uh, if you want to walk with God, you've got to slow down to walking pace. <laughs> And so uh, to, to take a verse, because, um, you know, you could have a truth in the word of God, like Jesus loves you, God loves you. Um, but it really, uh, the effect of that in your life really uh, is measured by the, the depth of revelation you have that in your heart. And the more we have a revelation that God loves me, well, then the more effective I'll be at loving the world. And I believe uh, that that depth of revelation can be caught and can be done uh, through sitting on a, a piece of scripture, meditating through it, reading through it. So that first lesson, um, we need to learn to look to Jesus. And my, my second and final lesson uh, today for us is, is this. We need to have a kingdom perspective. And, uh, and again, it's, it's how we see, and like I said, this is the, the year of 2020, having that, that clarity of vision. We need to have a, a kingdom perspective. And I'll, I really want to go to one of our brothers in Christ uh, to learn this lesson. And this is the Apostle Paul, actually. And uh, um, I'll go to the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 1 and verse 12. And it says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, this is an amazing perspective because the Apostle Paul is there and he's sitting in prison at the moment. And he's writing this and he's saying, you know what? What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as he's sitting in that prison, he's thinking back to all the things that he has gone through in his life for Christ. Because, see, four years earlier... He writes this list, this list of the things that he has gone through. Uh, he writes the book of Second Corinthians. 
And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 to 28, uh, we start getting this list of the things that he has gone through. And he starts off by saying, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. And so 40 lashes is supposed to kill a person. And so he received 39 lashes. And so basically, he's as dead as you can be uh, while still being alive. And, and he received this five times. And, and I just think on that fifth time, uh, the guards tear the, the shirt off his back and they look at him and they say, this guy, he's been there, but he's been here before. And we're going to give him another 39 lashes. And so that's just the, the start of the list. And then it says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. And so, you know, when you're being stoned, uh, they're trying to kill you. And, uh, and we, we read in, in Acts 14 where um, they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. And you know what? He could well have been dead because then it says that disciples gathered around him, prayed for him, probably raised him back to life, and he walked back into the into the city again. And so we've only just started this list, and already Paul has been dead like six times. Uh, but the list goes on. Uh, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked, and beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And so I think back to the, this verse in, in Philippians 1.12, and he's thinking back, and he goes, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And so he's thinking to himself, man, through all of that, you know, it hasn't been so bad. It's been okay. You know, actually... Life has been pretty good, you know, through all of this, through all of this being being killed for the gospel. In fact, you know what? Could have been worse. The gospel has advanced through all of this. And I think, man, what a perspective to have. And, you know, I don't know that the sort of uh, trials and, and difficulties that, that we're going through, that you're going through at the moment, uh, certainly uh, in the season of isolation and we've had to cancel um, events and, and cancel different things. Um, but I tell you what, uh, you know, to have that God perspective, to have a kingdom perspective is what we need to have in the midst of this, like the Apostle Paul had. And so those are the, the two lessons that I really wanted to share with us this morning. Um, that first lesson of we have to learn to look to Jesus. And the second lesson to have a kingdom perspective. Now, around the world at the moment, these are lessons that um, believers who are suffering right now, believers in, in prisons, believers who live in these uh, dark countries, being a light of Jesus, um, the, these are, are questions that, uh, and revelations that, that the persecuted church need to have in their hearts. And you know what? We can serve them. We can help them even from here. And so there's three things that we can do. 
one, we can simply be aware, you know, of, of what's happening with a persecuted church, hear their stories, hear their testimonies, because I think for our faith and our journey, if we don't hear them, we miss out. And so you can um, download uh, our Frontline Faith magazine that's online. It's got stories and, and lessons from the persecuted church. Um, and so that's opendoors.org.nz. Uh, and there's a, a list at the top and we've got Get Involved. You click on Get Involved and you go down to Resources. And then that will get you the uh, Frontline Faith magazine. Uh, you can also download our, our daily prayer guide as well. And the great thing about our prayer guide is that um, people around the world are praying for the same thing at the same time. Because that prayer guide, um, the prayer points come from Open Doors International. And just that power of, of global unity as we're praying for that same thing. So we can be aware and we can pray and we can certainly give uh, to the, the work of Open Doors. And, and we've got um, a, a campaign coming up for, for Easter called One With Them. And so again, you can go to our website and, and just check out that um, standing One With Them this Easter. And we think of, you know, last Easter was the Sri Lanka bombings, three uh, suicide churches and, and three uh, suicide bombers and three churches, um, and then three hotels as well. Um, many people lost their lives. And so this Easter, we want to stand uh, one with them. And so you can check out our website, opendoors.org.nz. But why don't we pray this morning? Uh, allow me to pray for us, for our nation. Uh, and also for the, the world of the, the persecuted church as well. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, this morning we, we come to you and we thank you for what you are saying to us this morning, that we need to be in a place of connection, of encouraging each other, um, that we are still the community of believers. And so I pray, Lord, that we would sense your, your presence, your comfort, Lord, your, your peace and your joy during this time. I pray for each person as they sit in their homes and uh, either by themselves or, or with family. Lord, I pray for a sense of your presence right now, that you would fill each one with your presence, with your anointing. God, we, we pray for our nation and we're praying for health. We're praying for life. Lord God, we know that we will get through this time and we pray for, for wisdom for our leaders. You say in your word that we need to pray for our leaders and we pray for, for them. We pray for our government and we're praying, Lord God, that they would know what to do in this time. And so we're praying favor and blessing, Lord God, over New Zealand. And we also reach out to the world around us as well, to our wider church family. These are our brothers and sisters, your kids who right now are suffering in different ways for the sake of your gospel. And we pray that you would be with them right now. May they even know that someone is praying for them right now. Lord, as we continue to, to join the, the world in, in global prayer, as we focus our prayers in countries like North Korea, in those prison camps, uh, Afghanistan and Somalia and, and Libya, Pakistan, those top five countries, Lord God, you know each one, you know everyone who is there. And so, Lord Jesus, we're praying for your favor, your blessing, your anointing on them. May they sense your presence at this time. Lord, we thank you for our time that we can spend together today. And I pray that as we go on uh, on this day, that we would hear you speaking to us and that we would uh, know what to do 
uh, in this present time. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so thanks so much for, for joining me this morning. Thank you, Hills Church, uh, for inviting me in, being a part of your church family this morning. Uh, so good to be connecting online with you. And, uh, and I always thought that, uh, you know, if the Apostle Paul uh, had the ability to, he would have live streamed himself to his churches um, because, you know, he was always saying, uh, I wish I could be there with you in person. But here we are. We can do that together this morning. So thanks so much and bless you.